It's time for Heat Wave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heat Wave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. Night Las Vegas, it's time for Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas, 989 FM, 1340 AM. It's Tim Unglesby and Ari Platinum back in the box tonight here on Heat Wave Sports here in Las Vegas. My co-host going on over a decade now, TomBartonSports.com. Uh, the busy, busy man, Mr. Tom Barton. Tommy, it's the Sunday before the Super Bowl. It's time for our prop show special. We'll get into that here a little bit later on in the the hour and hour two, but this time next week, Tom, when we come on, it'll be the Super Bowl recap show. We are officially seven days out. Yeah, seven days out, and uh, you know you can start to feel it now. Um, I, I think that first week is kind of like okay, well, we have our Super Bowl contestants, and, and that's what it is. And now you're starting to feel it. Now you're starting to feel the the idea of okay, legacies are going to change. Um, I just did a YouTube video on this, right? I did did uh, you know a video about how people's lives are going to change. I think we're starting to feel that. We're starting to feel the fervor of, wow, this is going to be different. Wow, you know what? Everything's going to change by whoever wins. It doesn't matter whoever wins. It's all going to be different. We're going to have the game. And you're right. Seven days from now, we'll be talking about who just won the Super Bowl. Yeah, next week, next Saturday night, of course, the infamous Super Bowl preview show will obviously dive into the game on the eve of the Super Bowl predictions guests it's it's a big thing next Saturday night 10 o'clock hopefully it'll be at a remote location so stay tuned to your social media on that one as we'll let everybody know if that comes to pass but and and I do kind of want to touch a little bit on the game leading into the week Tom but there's some other news and notes from the NFL and um, I guess we'll start with we, we had just last night had just talked about the coaching hires and there were three openings left that was houston new orleans and miami and uh, miami got their man today tom in mcdaniel the former oc at san francisco your thoughts on the the dolphins new head man i i think it's very uninspiring um Mm -hmm. you know i think it's hard to evaluate coaches because we don't know what's going on in the building we don't know uh, you know whatnot but it's our it's our reactions right uh, my first reaction is it is an extremely uninspiring move. I follow a lot of Dolphin Twitter because obviously my wife is a big Dolphins fan. Um, a lot of Dolphin Twitter, a lot of Dolphin accounts. I, I know a lot of Dolphin fans. There's not one person that's happy today. Now, they're not upset. It's not a, a, a dropping the ball kind of situation. But I, I will say, you know, more than one Dolphin fan mentioned this is going to be our Adam Gase. That's how they feel about things. Um, he's a very uninspiring name. Now, I think that it can work out. But you do have a weird spot in Miami where, you know, you set yourself up for failure to the Dolphins. And, and obviously that's a Stephen Ross thing. You are, set yourself up for failure because you talk a big game. You talked about the Harbaugh's of the world, right? You talked about um, even a Brian Dable of the world. You talked about the best coaches available coming to you and clearly you were left kind of holding the bag here. You're left kind of scuffling here. You can't tell me that this was the Dolphins' choice a month ago, right? You can't tell me that. 
you also are moving on from Brian Flores, who showed success there. Forget about what's going on behind the scenes. Forget about all of that. He showed success. He showed he could win football games. He showed that, that you know, the, a lot of the fans liked him. Well, now you're replacing him with somebody that they don't really know. And it wasn't that splash move. You can you could almost deal with the Flores situation. Deal with the nonsense. Deal with, with what's going on off the field. Deal with, uh, you know, losing a coach that is a winning coach the last two years. If you brought in somebody that was a splash move, a guy like Harbaugh, all right, I understand why, right? Oh, okay, that makes sense why, why you're doing it. Uh, but to bring in somebody like this that really was not on many people's list to be that top guy, you know, he was, all right, he'll eventually get his time kind of kind of situation. Um, I think he can work out, but it, it was a recipe for setting yourself up for failure. And that's exactly what they did. The Miami Dolphins are going to try to sell a guy that is uninspiring to their fan base to try to inspire them. And at the end of the day, that that's a bad situation. And we've watched this happen before. And I think that this kind of was a Joe Judge situation, right, with the New York Giants. Kind of out of nowhere, you're going, oh, oh okay, all right, Joe Judge. Uh, all right, you know, you turn around and you look at this um, like the New York Jets when they hired Adam Gase. And it's a head-scratching move, and you're going, Adam Gase? Uh, all right. I looked at this um, when the Bears hired Mark Tressman, right? You looked at this, and you said, yeah, he really wasn't on a lot of people's lists. Uh, he might work out, but okay. But usually, if a guy falls through the cracks so far and falls through everything and winds up being your guy, and I, I, I'm saying it like that. I'm specifically choosing my words here that the Dolphins – didn't really go out of the way and, and grab this guy. No, no, he wound up them. And there is a difference, right? I mean, Brian Dable was was hired. He was grabbed. Josh McDaniels was grabbed away from New England. Yeah, that's that's what they were. Eh, he was kind of he was kind of left over. And that is just a, the feeling that the Dolphins fan have. Um, you know, Abby's reaction to it, she was like, well, of course it's the Dolphins, right? I mean, they just, they expected to screw this up. They expected to. And that is just not a feeling that you want to give to your fans. You don't want to give that feeling to your fan base. You want them pumped up for a new coach, excited for a new coach. Look, it, I will tell you, uh, Everett Lewis was not the guy I was looking for in Chicago, but I'm pumped up for the job. I, look, I think I think he's putting together a good staff. I like Ryan Poles. I like what they're doing in Chicago. I'm getting pumped up as the time goes, uh, even though he wasn't my number one choice. That's what the Dolphins needed to do here. They needed to really wow their fans, and they did everything to not wow this fan base. When when I when I saw the announcement <clears throat> come through, and I, I know we had talked about it last night, it was more than likely this was the route they were going to go. But all I could think of is in past when, when a, a big announcement comes through, right, Tom, and you just kind of yawn. That, the Tom Barton yawn, that's what I got out of this. And you're right. It, it's, uh, it's ho-hum, lackluster. It, it is what it is. And it, is, it, is it an owner thing here? Is it a Ross thing in that they can't get the guy they want to go to Miami Beach, Tom, with a quarterback set in place, a young team, coming off a, a defense that's been restructured by the guy who got fired. Is, is it got to be an owner situation or did they try to shoot their shot and they just failed maybe getting, like you said, a hardball to come in and it just didn't work out and they were just left holding nothing. I, I think that's kind of the situation. I think that them in Minnesota 
are in a very similar situation where, you know, they, they, they were just expecting, well, we're the Miami Dolphins. We're, we're going to get our pick of the litter here. Um, and then little by little, this candidate went away, that candidate went away. You know, from this coaching cycle, what I have seen it in generality is that the teams sort of knew who they wanted to hire before time. And I think that's every coaching cycle. But I, I think that specifically this year, outside of Miami and Minnesota, which were the last two hires, I think every team sort of went into the offseason going, all right, that's pretty much our guy. You know, that's who we're going to target. And I think they all got him. You can't tell me that the Raiders did not target Josh McDaniels probably uh, from the minute they fired Gruden, right? I mean, come on, let's be honest. You can't tell me that the Giants didn't. The minute they hired Joe Shern to be the general manager, they weren't going to get Brian Daniel. Uh, I mean, come on, you know, we know that. There are certain guys that were just absolutely perfect fits for those teams. With the exception of Minnesota and Miami, which are the last two hires, um, I think everybody got their guy. And I do think Miami was counting on Harbaugh a lot like Minnesota was counting on Harbaugh. I also believe that Miami was going down a path where they really believed that they were going to have time in this hiring process. And all of a sudden, coaches were getting scooped up. And, and that is a an ownership problem. That is an ownership problem where it, you didn't really hear a lot of people even in the Miami camp you didn't hear a lot of people coming into the office and interviewing until about two weeks ago so they were behind and even the firing of brian flores that came late right so everything they did came late they fired their coach late they made the decision to move on late they they then started the hiring process late and well this is who you got stuck with and again i'm gonna say stuck with he may be okay you may change my mind about him being okay but from first glances man you know could you imagine being you know a, a, a six foot seven you know 350 pound dude trying to get inspired to go got you know knock heads with another guy twice your size you know or, or twice the size of that of uh, getting out there and getting inspired by him have you seen his press conferences i mean he's a jokester he's cute he's funny he's ha 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 not exactly what you wanted in a head coach. I mean, even Sean McVay, who's a small stature type of dude, um, you know, it, it, Sean McVay is, you, you want to run through a wall for him. This guy is just, I don't get it. I don't get the move other than to say, I'll repeat Abby's sentiment. Oh, it's the Dolphins, right? I mean, that's just the way that you look at it. It's the Dolphins, yep. Well, after that announcement, Earlier this evening, <clears throat> Houston Texans officially decided to cross Josh McCowan off the list. Tom, you know, obviously no no hit coaching experience at all. Any coaching experience, actually, when you look at it, former player just recently, and it appears that this job has been narrowed down to two guys. One would still be Brian F- Flores, who we all know that we talked about in like last night the problems there, but it could be a guy you're very familiar with in that current defensive coordinator Lovey Smith may just be the answer and that they don't really have any other options right now. You know, I would love Lovey to get another chance. I, I One of the biggest rants, I guess, I've ever had on the radio, one of the biggest gripes I've ever had with any team making any move was when the 10-win Chicago Bears got rid of Lovey Smith. Now, I understood 
where they were coming from. They didn't believe that Lovey could get him over the, the, the hill. They didn't believe that Lovey was a Super Bowl coach. Um, I was upset with the firing of Lovey Smith, though, because of the success that they've had. By the way, since then, really, Lovey is our, our pinnacle, right? Um, I would love it, love it to go to Lovey Smith. I would love it to go to somebody that knows what he's taking over. The expectations are low. He's a likable guy. He's a personality. We talked about this last night. You need that in Houston. You need someone to take over like that in Houston. I think it's a fantastic, fantastic job. And one of the things that people don't know about Houston, and this is is true, it's not speculation, it's not me kind of giving my opinion on things. The Houston ownership group um, and the Houston owner wants good guys is what he, he talks about. He's a, you know, uh, a Christian-based owner. He wants good quality people. He wants a, a good personality. He really values that in the hiring process. And you could say, we all do. Uh, not really. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you all do, but, but there's a lot of guys out there that aren't really good dudes, but they win, right? They want someone that is a good guy. Lovey Smith is that guy. You know, he's paid his dues. He's won where he's gone. He's he's elevated defenses where he's gone. I don't think that Lovey Smith has taken over the Houston Texans, winning divisions and taking them to the Super Bowl, right? Um, but I don't think anybody is, right? And, and so I think that's okay. You know, everybody has different expectations. And, and looking at the Raiders, and we talked about this, looking at the Raiders is a perfect example. The Raiders just made the playoffs with a special teams interim coach. So they expect Josh McDaniels to make the playoffs and win playoff games and compete for a division in the next three or four years. They expect that. Why? Because they, the bar has been set. If you told the Houston Texans tomorrow, you're going to hire Lovey Smith or whoever it might be, but you're going to hire Lovey Smith in, in the next three years. Next year, you're going to win seven games. Year after that, you're going to go over 500. Year three, you're going to compete for a wild card. Year four, you're going to get a wild card spot. I think every Texans fan's going, "All right, cool, we'll sign up for that." Yeah, I think that's I think that's the route they have to go, Tom. They're such a mess. Let, let Lovey kind of settle it, and if, if it sparks a fire, then hey, you know you you worked your way into a good head coach. Uh, if it doesn't work, then it wasn't going to work. So I, I think and that's the thing. With, and the thing with Lovey Smith, though, Tim, you also have to think about <laughs> exit plans, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's what that's what Miami also did today. They also gave themselves an exit plan. If it doesn't work in a year, the fan base will not flip out that you fire Lovey Smith or McDaniel in a year, right? If it doesn't work out in two years, the fan base will not be upset that you flip. You know that they're not going to flip out that you're firing these guys quickly. You can have a very quick hook if someone becomes available. Say Harbaugh says, you know what? Yeah, I'm co- I'm coming. Forget this Michigan thing. I'm coming. Right. All of a sudden you go, wait a minute. Well, Nick Saban wakes up tomorrow and says, I want to come to the NFL. You could fire Lovey Smith, you know, three days into his contract and the fan base isn't going to get mad about it. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, if there is a big name that comes on the market, if there is that huge name, which I don't see, by the way, waiting in the wings. But if there is that huge name that comes on the market, they can have a quick hook on these guys and the fan base isn't going to revolt. I don't. I don't know if we have that big name in waiting. We used to think that Bill Cowher was coming back. Well, he's a little bit removed from the game right now, 
right? I I don't know if he's even that big name. And first of all, I don't think he's coming back, but I don't think he's that big name. I look around the league, and, and Josh McDaniels has always been the hot guy, right? Oh, yeah, Josh McDaniels is going to come. Well, now he's got a job. Who is the big name that is going to come in and save your franchise? They just don't exist right now, Tim, right? I mean, they just don't exist. So you go out there, you go get, get, get Lovey Smith, build a really good supporting coaching staff around him, and suddenly you got something. The problem in Houston is, you, you said it, right? It's a hire where there's an exit clause attached to it. But didn't they just do that with Cully last year? It's yes. not like, it, yeah. you know, they were, they were going to be bad to begin with. I think they were better than what people may have expected. And what was his reward? He got fired. I'll tell you what, Tim. I think, and I, I'm pure speculation again, I think that if the Houston Texans had to do it over again, I think Houston would have retained David Culley. I think if they knew that they were going to be able to keep Lovey Smith on the staff, I think they would go back in time and say, you know what, we'll keep David Cully. We'll keep Cully, and we'll keep Lovey Smith. And we'll wait until next coaching cycle. I think they're a lot like Miami, where they believed they could get a bigger coach. They believed that they were going to be able to go out there and kind of get their pick of the litter. And, yeah, it, it's not so much. I don't think that anybody believed that a lot of these jobs were going to be opened up, right? Um, there was a lot of speculation. The, the Minnesota job, I think that kind of took people by surprise. I don't know if a lot of teams were looking at Minnesota as being a coaching opening. Um, you look around the league, and a couple of these were surprises. So Houston all of a sudden sit, sitting there, kind of left holding the bag. You also look at a spot where, Tim, somebody else I want to mention here, what about Tampa Bay? You can't expect Arians to leave to to be there much longer, right? And maybe, right. you know, I was thinking about this when we got off the air last night. Maybe that's why Leftwich actually turned down Jacksonville, because there is that kind of writing on the wall and that handshake, nod, nod, wink, wink kind of situation where, hey, you know what, Byron, you're going to take over Tampa Bay when Arians leaves. Because I, I, I going back into this, and I'm like, okay, I understand him turning down the Jacksonville job, but why is it anybody else? gonna kind of scoop him up and then i heard miami today i didn't think he was a fit for there anyway but you're hearing houston and you don't you're not really hearing him connected to houston you're not really hearing left goods connected to the saints which are the jobs that are left and you're going well i, I kind of wonder why i mean we all know his his drawback but he did get offered a job maybe that's the wink wink nod nod hey you know what because arians there's no way arians is coaching this team in 2024 and so we can move to New Orleans real quick in that Tampa Bay granted permission to interview Left, which he just declined not to. Yes. And yes. Today, I know Eric Bieniemy was was in New Orleans interviewing for that job. I assume that's the last domino to fall, and Bieniemy will get his long-awaited head coaching job in New Orleans. Tom, that makes sense. You know, I thought Bieniemy would have been working in Houston. Um, but, but it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense for him to go to the Saints. It's a, it's a tough job taking over for Sean Payton. Uh, but Eric Bieniemy is that offensive guy that they're going to need because they're going to need creativity. Uh, you have Taysom Hill as your starting quarterback. Um, you're on the verge of losing Kamara. Look, Kamara might give you a year or two more of really good production, uh, but he's hitting that age where you're, you're in O mode. Your wide receiver core is depleted. They need someone with an offensive mindset. Beyond me makes a lot of sense there. Yeah. 
Kamara, Kamara might be a little more time. He's in jail right now, Tom. So, yeah, I don't know if you saw that, <laughs> he's in jail here. Yes, I did. Actually, but. yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. who's not in jail in Vegas at this point? Yeah. Well, and what I love how they blame the city. You know, <laughs> like, right. it, like it's the city's fault. Let me tell you something. I am an absolute. I was an absolute mess of a wild man before I met you guys. I, I, I mean, I was a disaster when I was coming to Vegas. Um, constantly, constantly a, a train wreck. And I was, I was coming to Vegas once every other week, once every three weeks for, for eight, nine years there for a while. Yeah. I didn't, I, I seemingly didn't get arrested. Right. I, I, I don't know how I didn't, but I didn't get arrested. Right. So if I could do it, uh, yeah, you guys could, could do it. There's no reason for any of that. To, it's not Vegas gets you arrested. I mean, come on. Right. We, we talked a little bit about, uh, your favorite Aaron Rodgers last night and last weekend. So apparently the Tennessee situation had come up and uh, they, the report was that the Titans are not interested. They're going to stay with Tannehill with uh, that core of Henry and Jones and Brown. Did, you know, is that, is that just media fodder there, Tom? Was there any inkling that number one, Aaron Rodgers would want to be in Nashville and number two, that they would want him there? Nashville wanted to push that. Remember, Nashville wanted to push Tom Brady last year, right? And they really, or two years ago, before he went to the Bucks, and he, they they really pushed that narrative because Tennessee knows we're a quarterback away from being not a, a Super Bowl winner, but a multiple time Super Bowl winner, right? That's how they feel. It's a very winnable division, and they they started to see, oh yeah, you know, are we really invested in Tannehill? And they're they're going, yeah, we are. I, I mean, he's limited. But we're, we're going to be invested into him. I think it's a mistake. But, yeah, you, you start to kind of pay attention to where Aaron Rodgers might fit in. Tennessee is a place where he might fit in. So there's going to be you know smoke where there's fire. One of the things we talked about this morning, Tim, on the Sports Guard show, you know, uh, Wanna Bet Weekend Edition, it was me and Rashad Jennings. And we were going through the 2023 Super Bowl odds. Next year's Super Bowl odds came out two days ago. And... When we were talking about Brian Thel- to, with Brian Feldman last night, I thought it was interesting that he thinks there's no chance that the Denver Broncos can resign or can sign over Aaron Rodgers. Well, the lines makers are protecting themselves big time. Do you know that the fourth AFC team, the Bills and the Chiefs, are one and two on the 2023 Super Bowl odds? They are the one and two overall in the entire league at plus 650. The next closest is the Rams at 10 to one. Okay. Then Cincinnati is 16 to 1, and the Broncos are the fourth highest AFC team and the sixth highest overall team as far as the odds go. The Broncos. Well, what is that telling you? The line makers are really making sure that you can't throw a couple bucks down and go get some Aaron Rodgers money. In comparison, by the way, the Raiders are 40 to 1, so they don't think he's going there, and the Steelers are 50 to 1, so they don't mm-hmm. think he's going there. You know, I, I, there's always the the idea, and I've said this a million times before. Uh, follow the people that are smarter than you. Know who's smarter than you and follow them. Well, the line makers here are telling me that Denver is a real possibility because in what world should Denver have better odds than the Baltimore Ravens, the Tennessee Titans? In what world should they have better odds than those kind of teams? None, because they don't even have a quarterback. But if Aaron Rodgers goes there, you could go out there and, and the books could lose their shirts. They know everyone's going to throw a couple of bucks down in the speculation. 
I found that real interesting when looking at the odds. No, that's a good point. When you have Drew Locke as your starting quarterback, it's it's not like they have the, the eighty-five Bear defense either that they're, you can try to attach some semblance of why they would be so low. Uh, the the offensive weapons there, they have some good ones, but they're not, uh, you know, a, a star-studded offense. So yeah, it's it's a total protection situation, right? Because what would they be, Tom? Sixty to one, fifty to one, more? Yeah, if there was no, that's what I said. Look. The Raiders are forty to one. They just made the playoffs, yeah. right? Um, the Chargers are are twenty five to one. You turn around, you start going. Okay, where would they be? You have to put Denver behind the Raiders, don't you? I mean, you almost have to. So if the Raiders are forty to one, let's say you give them the exact same thing, they would be double the number. They'd be at forty to one. But the books are trying to protect themselves. But they're not doing it universally. That's the thing. Look, I can understand if Pittsburgh was up there and the Raiders were up there and the teams that were speculating to maybe, maybe get Rodgers were up there. I can understand it. You go, okay, that makes some sense. That's not the case here, Tim. Pittsburgh is 50 to one. And remember, there's a lot of people attaching uh, Aaron Rodgers to Pittsburgh at 50 to one. The Raiders are still sort of in play at 40 to one. Their odds are what they should be. Not Denver. Denver's the fourth team in the AFC, which seems bad, but it's the sixth team overall in the NFL. With twenty to one odds, twenty to one odds, you can't even throw a hundred bucks on them, hoping that Rogers goes there. You're not getting any return. And this is—you've checked. This is everywhere, right? And They're all every, everywhere. It's between you know some some sports books has Baltimore in front of them. I uh, saw so one sports book have Tennessee in front of them, but not Baltimore. So they're either fourth or fifth in the AFC. About twenty-five to one, or to, you know, in the worst books, twenty to one in the best books. Um, is what you're getting. 20 to 25 to 1. They're right there. So every sports book is basically doing the same exact thing. Every sports book is putting the numbers out where you, you have to scratch your head and you have to say, yeah, they're, they're, we're, again, where there's smoke, there's fire. This makes a little bit of sense. And, and the thing is, is, here's what I was asking Rashad this morning, Tim. Now I'm going to ask you. If Aaron Rodgers goes to Denver tomorrow, what are the odds? Because... Even with Aaron Rodgers on the team, they are still, or at least they shouldn't be, favored above the Bills. They won't be. Favored above Kansas City. They won't be. Favored above the Super Bowl Bengals. They won't be. So even if he goes there, what, what are the odds going to turn around to be? 15 to 1? 14 yeah. to 1? 12 to 1 maybe? I mean, you know, you can't take this bet. They've just taken it off the board where you cannot bet the Denver Broncos. If he signs in Green Bay or somehow he ends up in San Francisco, that lo- that Bronco line will jump back to sixty to one. Right, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and by the way, you know, Green Bay and San Francisco are both you know the teams that are are in front of the Green Bay is right there. Green Bay is a weird team because I've seen them as high as fourteen to one and as low as twenty to one tied, um, and San Francisco is the fourth best odds in the NFL. It goes. Uh, plus 650 Bills, plus 650 Kansas City, 10 to 1 odds Raiders, 12 to 1 odds San Francisco. They have San Francisco as the number two team in the NFC. Hmm. Yeah, something to keep your eye on is the uh, Aaron Rodgers saga. Although he claims he, he'll make a, a quick decision, Tom, it, it will drag out as long as he wants to keep entertaining these these offers. So we'll we'll look at that. 
and we'll take our first time out here on Sunday night when we come back. I, I don't want to talk about the game per se, Tom. I do want to look at this Pro Bowl situation. I, I have, again, sometimes Timmy has to come out with the, the anger. I won't say it's a, it's a full-blown anger, but disappointed today in Las Vegas with this Pro Bowl, and I'll explain why on the other side of the timeout as Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. Now back to Heatwave Sports. Here's Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. And Ari Platinum with you here on a Super Sunday night. Nice to have the rejoiners and the drops. And thank you, Ari. Thank you very much, my man. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so this this next segment is not about the game itself, Tom. The NFL Pro Bowl game took place at Allegiant Stadium this afternoon where the AFC came out with a 41-35 victory over the NFC. I think they've won five or six in a row now. Uh, we're not even going to get into really the statistics here because what is a glorified exhibition game that we have talked about for years. And even during the break, we talked about, uh, you know, for us, especially being kids and teenagers in the 80s and 90s, watching from Hawaii. It was kind of a bigger thing, and the players seemed to play a little bit harder. And it was Hawaii, like you said, Tom. It was Hawaii. And the players had, I think, a little more incentive to be able to go there because it's Hawaii. They can bring their families, yada, 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 right? So my, my thing is more about <clears throat> that the NFL put the game here in the entertainment capital of the world, right, Tom? Las Vegas, uh, the biggest sports town now in America for some reason. And what disgusts me about this, and maybe I'm just being old and cranky. Maybe that's what it is, but I, I'm going to hope you're going to take my side on this one, Tom. So the game comes on. They do the the Vegas publicity. You know, they build up the city. All the they inter, intermix it with the with the superstars that are here, and they show they show the stadium. And what do I see on a sideline reporter? Right. So I see they have like almost like if you go to a nightclub, you have these these VIP type booths, and there's like six or seven people sitting around them. And I and I remember seeing it during the the regular season when I went to a couple games, but. So I didn't think anything of it. I thought it was just a little weird because they're sitting in the right behind one of the end zones. Then later on during the game, I'm just perusing through the Twitter and somebody actually took a, a video of it. And they're like, oh, look how cool this is, right? So it's a video of that same booth, Tom, that I saw in the background. It's literally six people sitting in a booth in the end zone getting bottle service and they're eating sushi. And like I lost my mind, Tom. I just my head exploded oh, at that point. Oh. I was like, "Is this what it, this has become for Las Vegas? You're inter, you're interjecting like this this image of uh, obviously they're not fans. They're people with the money, the dispensable money. They're idiots, and they're they're drinking champagne and eating sushi in the end zone of the the NFL Pro Bowl. I I, I just I I actually had to get up and walk away. I was so like offended that. This is what's being shown, and the image is showing. And this is what Vegas is, Tom. This is what it is now, man. And the stadium was damn near full of people cheering and screaming, guys running around, not even tackling, pushing, just disgusted by the whole thing. And they're talking about having it here every year now? Like, I can't I can't even get over it. And these are local people, Tom. You know, if you want to say these were tourists that came in and acting like this, they're locals. I don't even get it, man. Well, I... Tim, I, I couldn't agree more with you. I, I, but I will, I will quote Tim Unglesby on this. If you remember, I, I mean, 
So just to give everybody a little bit of background, I started to come to Vegas when I was literally uh, before I was 21. Okay. Um, but once I hit about 23 years old, I was coming legitimately once every weekend. I would stay for a week out of every month for about seven or eight years. Uh, there, I lived there for uh, about a summer. Um, uh, you know, I, I was, I was lived there for a summer, two years after that, lived there for about another summer. Okay. I was there quite often. And then, uh, you know, what happened was when we started the Eat Wave Sports Show, um, my son was born, I bought a house and I started to come a little bit less and I went a little bit less. And then when I started to go, I started to hang out with you and Ron and we were off the strip and stuff. And after about two years, two and a half years, I came and I said to you, whoa, what happened to Vegas here? What happened, Tim? Like, and you said, what? And I said, everything is like clubby and bottle service and all. And I will quote you. You said to me, Tommy, they're trying to make it Los Angeles. Right? They're trying to, that's what they're trying to do. All of the casinos, right? The, 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 oh, the casinos on the strip, they weren't now flashy and volcanoes and the Steve Wynn look. They all looked kind of cookie cutter. They all look like, um, you know, you needed to be somebody to be somebody to walk in. They were trying to appeal to that kind of generation, that kind of style. You were the one who kind of pointed out to me. And ever since then, I said, yeah, wow. Yeah, that's really true. So now with the new way that you look at Vegas and yet, Kim, that's what they want to show. They want people to believe you come to Vegas you know, you get better be ready for a clubbing lifestyle, for, you know, Cristal being uh, brought to your table, to a bottle service. That's what they want. This is what they have pushed. The narrative has been pushed like that. And that's to tourists. Now, you're talking about the locals. You know, I, it's weird to see that the locals would embrace that side of this. Um, you know, I can tell you from going to other places around the country, you know, you, you turn around, you go around the country. Well, People in Boston, they're not exactly going to act like the people you think they're supposed to be in Boston because that's a lot of tourists that go and do it. It's the same thing where one of the big funny things is on St. Patrick's Day, everyone's like, oh, man, you know, you're Irish. Uh, St. Patrick's Day, you must go absolutely crazy. And I have Irish friends that are like, no, nah, it's like the one day I take off from the bar right? <laughs> because we don't, we don't want to deal with it. Um, the night before Thanksgiving is the biggest crazy party night of the year. And I used to tell everybody, yeah, I, I don't go out the night before Thanksgiving because that's for amateurs. Well, I, I, I would expect the same thing from Vegas locals. Like, we don't need the bottle service. We don't need the hoopla. We don't need that. No, but no, they, they really did embrace it tonight. And they embraced a game that was, I mean, garbage. God of the days of Sean Taylor lighting up a, a kicker, right? I mean, the, the, nobody cares. They're kind of just going through the motions there. And it's not even aesthetically pleasing from a, a, a watching television standpoint. Cutting in and out of the commercials, seeing the Hawaiian Islands and hearing the music and watching everybody with lays on, it just gave it a different feel. You knew the people in the East Coast and the upper you know, part of the country are sitting back and they're going, man, oh, look at that weather. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, I wish I was in paradise. I wish I was there. It, you know, they were blowing on their hands and people were wearing jackets in Vegas. That did nothing for the city going, oh, yeah, well, it's always supposed to be warm. Well, that's a misconception. We know that. But people sitting at home, well, that's the same weather that I have. Why, why am I tuning in here? Yeah. And, and even like, okay, you, you know, you talk about the Hawaii thing. You're right. It, the way it was cut in, um, we knew it was an exhibition game, but it was still 
fun to watch. They had the skills competition. Remember that stuff, Tom? I love watching that. And I think the NHL did it right Saturday with their Vegas experience and the skills competition. And even the games, I don't know how many of the games you watch, you know, how they do them by division now rather than conference. I like that that uh, that aspect of it, mini games, and then you play to a title. I thought, I thought the NHL had a successful Vegas weekend. And I thought the NFL was just, hey, we'll make some money off these idiots in Las Vegas. And I don't want to use that term strongly because I'm just, it's being a generalized point. But here's the thing. You said it, it's the locals, right? And this is the problem that I have is that if if you're in the media and you take pictures, right, where you're at, okay, you do a job. This is where I'm at. It's, it's kind of cool. I cover this. This is what I do. But for, for locals that go to these things, so this was all week. And I know how it is nowadays, Tom, with social media, right? Literally people that probably couldn't tell you 10 of the all-stars that were in this game are taking pictures over at Aviator Ballpark or Las Vegas Ballpark hey, I'm here, take a picture. Or, hey, I'm in Allegiant Stadium right now, take a picture. And you said it best off-air when we were talking about it, is that the opportunity to maybe, if you're a fan, meet one of these guys. I'm okay with that. You know, a lot of the events were free during the week. But for people that have, again, it goes to the whole Vegas night situation that upset me for so long, up until this year. Because you can get night's tickets now reasonably cheap on these ticket sites, Tommy. But it's all for show. Everything's for show, man. And that's the, that's the thing about this being a sports town now. Is it really? Is it really a sports town or is it a show town? It's not a sports town. It's a show town. They want to push being a sports town. And look, you know, you're not going to be a sports town until people are living and dying by wins and losses. You know, it's, it's a unique situation where look at all the championships that Tampa Bay just won. I know everybody wants to push and we've heard Colin Coward. Oh, LA is the best place for sports in the country. No, no, it's not. Tampa Bay is right now. Tampa Bay has Stanley cups. Tampa Bay has super bowl. Tampa Bay has Tampa Bay is not a sports town, right? It's not a sports town because if your team loses, you're going to the beach, you're living life and it's going to be great. You know, Boston's a sports town. Philadelphia's a sports town. Cause you got nothing else to do. You know, they're, they're, you're living and dying. Your dad's dad, 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 dad lived and died w- with this. You've been at Fenway, you know, uh, when you were young. I had my son. My son was born February 14th. I had my son an opening day in Derek Jeter's last year, you know, walking around the stadium. We were approached by an old man that said, you know, how old is he? Right. And I, I said, you know, at the time I said, hey, he's a little over three months old. And, and he said, yeah, you know, I got you beat. My dad took me when I was two months old. That's the kind of just commitment that sports towns have real true sports towns. go drive around you know uh, uh downtown arlington during a dallas cowboys game that's a sports town there are certain towns that everything is about them las vegas sports will always be second it will always be the number two attraction always and it's going to be very difficult to change that the only way to change that is you bring a team in and you have sustained winning. But the locals have to embrace that sustained winning. Look, the Golden Knights have a chance to do it. If the Golden Knights continue to win, but they eventually have to win. But if the Golden Knights continue to win, continue to put a good product out there, then people will get really, really attached. Really, really get to a point of, okay, you know what? My, my heart's in this thing, not just my pocketbook. I don't think Vegas will ever become a sports town. Um, they're going to try it. They're going to push it. 
they're they're going to move it up, but I don't think it's ever going to tr- it's ever going to truly be a sports town because people there, you know, you got you got other things to do, and life goes on. Life doesn't go on in some of these places if the if their team loses. When the when the Knights struggled early in the season with after the injuries and, and the COVID protocols, people were selling their tickets, Tom, on StubHub or wherever the resellers. I'm not sure whatever the the venue is for that, but people were selling the tickets, Tom. You know, for years before the Islanders moved into that beautiful new arena they played in, and and were not very good, there were still people at those games, Tommy. They weren't, you know. And I know I'm trying to, I'm not, I don't, you know, I was using it as an example. I'm not really trying to compare the New York market to Las Vegas, but it just shows you it's a fair weather city, and it'll always be a fair weather city. And the worst thing that could happen, and I'll make the statement, or you can clip it and we can play it in promos. The worst thing that could ever happen to this town would be for the Vegas Golden Knights to win the Stanley Cup because it will just be absolutely unbearable at that point, Tom. I, I couldn't agree more. But but sustained winning could very well make it, uh, might, while it might be unbearable, at least they get that team. You know, If they go out there and win the Stanley Cup, you're going to have people naming their children after the goalie and, and, and after the <laughs> captain. And, right. you know, that starts to become a sports town, right? I mean, then you start to get that sports town feel. I'll give you a great comparison. Somebody in Philadelphia, I'm just picking a, a, a good sports town, right, that is committed. Somebody in Philadelphia, when they're 20 years old, they go and they go get a tattoo of the Philadelphia Eagles, right? And they, they're getting that too with the Philadelphia Eagles because, man, I love this team. I want this team deep into my blood. I want it to be there forever. My dad had an Eagles tattoo, man. I'm getting this Eagles tattoo. Somebody in Vegas goes out and gets a Golden Knights tattoo. That's, it's because it's fashionable, mm-hmm. right? Because it's cool. I want to show it off to people. I, I want people to see, you know, that, that I, I like the Knights, that I go to Knights games. It's a different reasoning. It's the same, same things going on. Different reasoning for going on. Somebody in Boston wears a, a Red Sox jersey. They're wearing that because their entire life revolves around the Red Sox. You know that, that stupid movie Fever Pitch where uh, one of the worst pieces of crap I've ever seen? <laughs> yeah. That, that's not too far-fetched. I know dudes like that, right? I know dudes like that in Boston and New York. I know guys like that. In Vegas, you wear your Vegas Knights jersey around because people are going to go, oh, look, told you I was at the game. You know, I was I was there. I, I was at the game. I was, I was there to be seen. It, it's almost became what the Knicks started to become here in New York. It's, oh, it's very much what the Lakers are, right? You, it's so much L.A. Vegas has morphed into what L.A. Um, – was about 10, 15 years ago. And it's getting to that point where you're a Vegas Knights fan because you better be one so everyone can look at you. As opposed to, man, I watch every game and I'm really committed. And the people that are listening that are going, Tom, you're wrong. I do watch every game and I am that committed. You know what? Then you guys should be even more upset that you do have the fake people out there. should be more upset that the fake people have driven those prices that you can't take your family to a game unless you have a serious amount of income. And and I don't want to get lambasted by saying this because there were people, I'm sure, at the Pro Bowl today, Tom, that brought their kids to see some of their favorite players. I, I have no problem with that. I have problem with the people that I started the whole segment off eating sushi and drinking champagne down in the end zone because those are the same people they're at those night games that think they know more about hockey than a true fan. And again, there's going to be people that have more knowledge in hockey. There's going to be fans. There's going to be diehards. But then there's the, the, the wannabes. And, I, I, you know, while you were speaking, I thought of something. 
when you and I were younger and the, the big the big trade happened and Wayne Gretzky went from Edmonton to LA, right, Tom? Remember that was a huge thing. LA didn't have a hockey fan base then. Those the only people that started going to those games were celebrities and yuppies and rich people and they jacked the prices up and yeah, they made a run to the conference finals and it was a big thing. And then what happened once the, the, that novelty wore off? The Kings were terrible forever. They couldn't get anybody in the form to watch them. I don't know if it would ever drop to that level here in Las Vegas because we'll always have, it seems like, that disposable income of idiots that will just waste money to, to pretend that they're a fan of something. Not, they won't, though, Tim. No, they won't. And, and you know, Chris Wynn wrote us in and he said, you know, it's the problem comparing towns like Philly, New York, Boston, and Vegas is it's just way too young. No, no, that's not true. Um, you can you can have a good sports town that is a new sports town. Here's what I will agree with Chris that it's hard to compare those three, but not because it's new, because they didn't have they never had to suffer. Tim, if the Vegas Golden Knights go out there and they are competing for the the lottery ball five, six years in a row, and, and they are going through a downward spiral no one's going to that stadium. You're, you're not putting butts in the seat. And guess what? You're going to stop seeing uh, you know, a lot of the Vegas Knights fans. They are fortunate they got out to a good win. That's why the NFL or the NHL stacked the odds completely in their favor because they knew they had to get off to this kind of start. They knew to keep this city. Don't think that the NHL didn't twist the rules just on a whim. No, they knew. They knew Vegas fans and the Vegas town would not embrace a loser or would not have to go through the suffering. It wouldn't have lasted. Vegas wouldn't have hockey today if they went out there and they were the worst team in the league three years in a row. It, it just wouldn't be there. They knew they had to put a winner on the court. Vegas was going to be attracted to that. Vegas was going to be encompassed by that. When there is a losing streak, and there will be a losing streak, when all of this you know goes sour, that's when you have the markings of a fan base. It's when you all of a sudden have that team and that fan base to go, wow, okay, here you go. You know, Chris kind of tongue-in-cheek mentioned the uh, that Detroit is a, a you know a sports town. Um, let me tell you something. The fans that, that are in Detroit absolutely are real fans because they're going through all of their teams being garbage right now, right? I mean, if you could live through the Lions and what they're doing and you're still a Lions fan, you're going to come out of that even more dedicated. You have to go through periods of losing. You have to go through that suffering generation or two to kind of be elevated. You've got to go through it. You know, look, I'm a Yankee fan, but people go, oh, you're a Yankee fan. You've known nothing but winning. Except, you know, the Yankees were last in a World Series when I was four and didn't win a championship until I was out of high school. I went through my entire high school and, and school career but the Yankees were the second-rate team in this all in this town. The Mets, eighty-six Mets, took over, right? So I went through some suffering. You have to go through suffering as a fan, and you've got to go through that losing. Maybe the Vegas Golden Knights consistently coming up short will give that that little you know feel to this. But I'm still waiting, and, and we'll probably not be on the air when it happens, um, you know, in twenty years or whatever. But I'm still waiting, Tim. Give me a six or a seven-year losing streak where, where the Knights don't make the playoffs six or seven years in a row. A five, six, seven years in a row. They're the worst team in the league one of those years. And then tell me how packed the stadium's going to be. How packed is that arena going to be? Yeah. It, I agree 100%.
we, the the victory as a fan when, when your team finally does win that it's such a sweet victory you know the thing with vegas is they they struggled at the beginning people were just talking trash selling tickets then they went on their run once they got healthy and it's almost back to where we've seen the last few years just unbearable sometimes and you know what the big thing is now tom it's not even so much that they're they're talking about how well they played here in the last month and a half the big thing in vegas now is like oh we got jack eichel coming we're gonna win the stanley cup this year it's not how it works right because to take on salary this is sports 101 you got to shed somewhere and the guys you generally shed are the gritty role-playing uh, guys you want in the playoffs to help you out. That's the problem with having a star-studded team. So you could win all you want in the regular season. You can get to the second round of the playoffs. Stanley Cup Finals your your first year. But until you do it, like you said, Tom, it'll always be that way. And, and they're, they're, uh, the thing with the Vegas window is they're really tight on the cap now, and it's going to be that way for a few years. Uh, Tim, you know, it reminds me, I, I think the best comparison, I'll keep going back to it, is I think Vegas is a good comparison is Tampa Bay. You know, um, that city is, is embracing football like we've never seen. Why? Well, you got Tom Brady. <laughs> you know, <laughs> embracing, oh, they love their hockey. Well, because the lightning are good. But me and you were old enough to remember when they couldn't fill that stadium. And there's actually a meme going around uh, where, Opening day next year, no Tom Brady, and the stadium has like five people in it, right, in Tampa Bay. And and that's the thing. I mean, the reality is is that Tampa Bay wants to consider themselves a sports town right now. Tampa Bay, you turn around, look, they've had a lot of success. They're selling out. The sports world is in Tampa Bay. We're watching boat uh, parades, which is the coolest thing ever, by the way. I love it. I'm all into it. I'm, uh, You know you know that, that we're looking at uh, potentially moving down to Florida. I'm looking at Tampa Bay going, oh, that's going to be awesome. I can't wait to go to games. It's going to be great. But we all know the reality, Tim. No Tom Brady, no people in the stands. Uh, the lightning start to fall back to where they were when we were younger. Nobody in the stands. So mm-hmm. I think a good comparison uh, might not be like Chris brought up. Maybe it's unfair to say New York and whatnot, but I think a very good comparison of who the Las Vegas sports fan base is, it's the Tampa Bay fan base. If they're winning, man, you're going to be showing out. You guys are going to be on top of the world. But if they're losing, I don't expect people in the seats. Same thing could be said. They talk about a baseball team coming here, right? Look at Tampa. Well, that that's will a, be a disaster. Right. That's a perfect example would be Tampa, right? It's, and that's a team that was in the World Series two years ago. ALCS two of the last three years. They can't even... They can't get people in there. That would be here with the A's. That would be here. Yes. Yeah. Baseball is the one sport. Um, you know, you can you can get by in hockey. People will go see hockey. You know, uh, they'll go see a bad product because, well, you know what? There's some fights uh, that might happen, and it's kind of a date night sort of thing. And, okay, that's okay. But, and, and it, it you know, hockey can suffer a little, but it, it you look at where you have it. And, okay, I can live it. Football, football will always have people because you're going to have a lot of out-of-towners. Uh, look, in a playoff game, the Rams you know, had to have their stadium, the, the opposition, right? So football is going to always be there. Basketball, basketball will suffer a little, but it's not a huge stadium. You go put in a 60,000-person baseball stadium and try to fill that, even the best teams, even, even the Yankees when they're winning World Series are, you know, the, the upper bowl is empty on a on a Wednesday night, right? I mean, it's just the nature of the beast. You put a bad team in Las Vegas, give it three years, that stadium will be completely empty. 
tell you what, I'm looking forward to if if Tampa's the city you're relocating to. I'm looking forward to sitting in a half empty, what do they call it now, Trop Field on open <laughs> yes. top. Well, it's funny because, you know, we, we were looking at Tampa. I was actually looking at Safety Harbor, which is right by the Tampa area. We're looking at that. And, you know, you know, my wife wants to move to Orlando. And she said, well, you know, you can still watch plenty of Yankee games and it'll feel like you're at you're still at Yankee Stadium. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, well, Tampa, when they play the Yankees, it's all Yankees. I said, you are so right. <laughs> you are so right. She said, yeah, it's only an hour drive away. I said, and, you know, it's funny because she wasn't trying to make a joke, but it, it really it is a joke. I will go there. I'll be surrounded by Yankee fans. You know, it's basically a home game. Um, and, and, you know, all the, the transients that are in like the Orlando, Tampa area are all new from New York anyway. Uh, they sell out those games in Tampa. Are, have more Yankee fans, and they sell out better than any game. And we're talking about playoff games. They couldn't sell out playoff games, but you're going to sell out the Yankee games because people like me, um, if I ever moved, would absolutely go and make sure I go see some Yankee games. It's the same thing with Baltimore, Tom. They, well, they Baltimore, it, yeah. yeah, Camden Yards is, is Yankee Stadium South. I mean, that <laughs> is all. We used to have bus trips that promoted that. Who wants to come to Yankee Stadium South? And we would get bus trips and go down to Camden. <laughs> well, it'd be the same thing here. You're right. It'd be 100 percent the same thing. And there's such yeah, a yeah. You'd be able to fill up. You'd be able to fill up when the Dodgers came to town. You'd yeah. be able to fill up. You know when uh, you know, a couple of these other teams might come to town. The Yankees come to town. That 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 stadium will fill up. The Cubs come to town. You'd be able to fill that up, right? You'd be able to fill it up when you have the unique stuff. But you cannot tell me in any way, shape, or form here. To, maybe the Angels, but you can't tell me that a Wednesday night between the uh, you know you know the fifty and seventy one Oakland A's against the uh, sixty win Mariners team is going to draw a lot. You're not looking forward to that Wednesday night matchup between Milwaukee and, and Las Vegas. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, yeah. That's not drawing. At, at least Milwaukee, it wouldn't happen that much because it's a different, uh, you know, AFC. I, I mean, uh, American League, National League. So maybe it wouldn't happen that much. Maybe you might fill up a little bit with Milwaukee people. It's going to be those interdivision. Uh, we we played Seattle sixteen times this year. You know, it's it's late August. Uh, yeah, you getting out of your house in late August, going out and going through the hundred degree weather, leaving your beautiful pool. To go watch Oakland take on the Mariners to see who's the worst team in the league? Nah, come on. Come on. Tim Ugglesby, Tom Barton, Heat Wave Sports Hour 1 in the books. When we come back, yeah, we're going to talk Super Bowl prop bets as the, the big game one week away. This is Tommy's specialty, so tune in. In hour number two, right after these few short sponsored messages, it's Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. 